Welcome to Priest, Prophet, King, a podcast created to change the culture from within. Welcome to Priest, Prophet, King, a podcast created to change the culture from within. I'm your co-host, the man on fire, John Sablon. And I'm with my two co-hosts, Kaoni and your boy Meeks. <laughs> What's up, fellas? So let's talk real quick about this uh, this desire that we had after we did kind of that you know special episode as we finished 2019 on True Faith Real Talk. Um, you know, just talking about your guys' experience and and the need, uh, especially for your generation to to kind of hear the message of hope through Christ and you know, the whole evangelization effort and, and kind of what needs to speak truth in today's world. So um, let's let's just kind of give our listeners out there an idea of where the priest prophet king come from. Yeah, I think, you know, me and Keone had a, a bunch of fun coming on to True Favorite Talk. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, you know, we should just try another episode. Yeah. And then we were thinking, well, why don't we just do our own podcast? <laughs> we're just going to keep making episodes. And um, we had already had the idea of Priest Prophet King about a year ago as like a brand name for um, just doing similar things, changing the culture from within. And um, so a lot of a lot of things that we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. um, just trying to be the the witnesses and the examples that that we were searching for when we were in high school and, and college and, and so forth. And um, we thought it was a perfect opportunity with the three offices that we each called to uh, in our baptism. And then the three of us in our different generations and our different journeys and the, the wisdom that we can bring forth. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so we, we thought it'd be a perfect idea. And, you know, we got the little merch right here. Yeah, so check it out. We're Just so you guys know, for those of you who can't see us, I know some of you are only listening, but go ahead and check us out on the YouTube channel, World of Blaze. Um, but we're, we're sporting the swag, the Priest, Prophet, King swag. You'll hear us also referred to it as PPK. And um, just a real quick explanation, Miko, you're wearing this shirt now, but... Um, when you see the the, it's actually the Latin letters. So um, PPK, those are the the ancient Latin letters, um, which obviously we're, we're Catholic. So that's the uh, the, the language of the church. So um, so Kenny, what are we going to be talking about first in this first episode? Uh, today's topic is really about uh, fostering our faith in our relationships and what that looks like. What how how can we go about that? Um, and not only in our intimate relationships, but also in our friendships. We may have secular friendships. Um, and friendships that maybe faith isn't a big part of. Um, and what we're going to be talking about today together is our perspectives and our um, what we have to talk about as far as, you know, how can we grow in our faith but still maintain those relationships? Yeah, I think part of the thing um, that I know one of the major questions I get asked is, man, it's so difficult being Catholic, right, to be a Catholic Christian in today's world. And um, regardless of whether you're at school, whether you're at work, um, even sometimes in the church, and um, in the grocery store, wherever you're at, how do I live my faith faithfully, um, but where it doesn't feel awkward, where it doesn't feel so lonely? Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the reason. So we're going to start with the friendship side first, because I think especially with your guys' peer group, that kind of becomes a difficult thing. Now, obviously, um, I'm married to your mama. So you, my best friend, my soulmate is your mom. So outside of mom. I don't necessarily have a need, I, even though I have my, you know, my brothers out there and other friends in the, in the church. 
it's um, it's a little bit different for me. So let's start with because um, I and that was funny because I think the next thing that came we got a lot of great feedback on that last episode, um, and I think one of the things that came to light was relationships. People wanted to understand. Okay, that's cool. I'm with you. I'm listening. But what what is it about relationships? So, Meek, since you're the one that's a kind of fresh out of out of high school, right? Um, what was that experience like for you um, as you were trying to live out your faith? in a, a public school setting? I think I had always um, kind of let people know where I where I stood. And I don't think too many people were trying to influence me one way or another. And um, it was kind of just well known. But, you know, Miko's, Miko's a Catholic. He's really into his faith. He doesn't really do too much. He's not going to go out. And I wasn't really pushed on it too much. Um, I had a lot of good friends. Uh, not too many Catholic friends, but my two best friends are Protestant and Assyrian Orthodox. And that was all throughout um, high school. I had those two. So I didn't necessarily felt like I was uh, missing that good friendship to where you're trying to bully each other and make each other grow. I think I had that. And then on the on the other hand, you have, you know, just all the people you talk to in class. You have your basketball teammates and they all understood where I was. I understood where there was. I wasn't someone who necessarily... You know, I was just trying to read scripture in the locker room or, you know, be that guy. I think we just all kind of respected where each other were. And um, and I think a lot of people uh, understood that, respected that, and then would come to me if they, you know, felt like they had questions or, or you know what, I'm struggling with this or, you know, dang, Mika, I need to go to church. And would kind of come to me and talk about those things because they, they kind of knew I was, I was about it and they knew our family was about it. So that's how my... Um, high school experience was I mean my coach had come to me to lead the team in prayer every game and mm. and so it was kind of well known to where I don't think um I was cast aside because of that or or anything like that how, how was it well known though can you, can you well I think I just I had always made it a priority so mm. um whether it be like nah, I got church on Sundays not I, I don't got to boast about it but if someone says something they know well I'm at church here or, you know well, I'm going to um praise and worship on Monday whether it be at army or you know I got I had confirmation every Wednesday night. So it was just, it was a part of my life. So then when people asked, they had, and I just told them, they just understood, okay, well, Mika does this. Uh, you know, I was in high school, I was like, ah, I don't really smoke or drink. I don't really do those kind of things. And they just kind of understood and I left it there. That's a, um, so one of the, the first points I think Mika brings up is a point of evangelization for us all is a lot of times because we feel like we're so different than the rest of the world or the rest of our peer group, somebody could ask that question, hey, man, what'd you do this weekend? And you could, you maybe you went to mass or maybe you went to a conference and because you think they don't understand, you'll just be like, uh, nothing, just kind of hung out versus saying, no, I went to a conference or, yeah, I went to this praise and worship thing last night. Oh, what really? So when people start to inquire, at least they know you're about it, right? Yeah, and I, and I had, and we always as a family had took, um, had taken Lent super seriously. So a lot of people would, and, and it's pretty well known what Lent is, and people know the time around Lent. So then yeah. they'll come to you, hey, what do you give up for Lent? Or, or let's say something, I'm like, ah, bro, I can't, I'm doing Lent. And then when people know, oh, okay, this guy's really serious, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm doing no social media, which is easily, you know, oh, Meek, where you been, bro? I haven't seen you on this and that. It's like, oh, I gave up social media for Lent. Oh, dang, that's what's up, bro. And so like, just those little things where I didn't have to, I didn't have to put, you know, scripture on my locker or on every book or hold a Bible around school, but people just understood where I was at with certain things what about you Keone? what was your experience like in in high school and even going into college um going to high school so i went to a protestant high school a private protestant high school where um it was a lot of the faith was there Mm -hmm. Um, and not only that basketball was nonstop. 
Um, so I really didn't have a social life. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't studying for the AP, you know, the AP test, the homeworks, the exams, all that stuff, I was training, um, you know, whether it be before school, after school, weightlifting, um, or homework. So I didn't really have a social life um, as far as just going out to the parties or whatever. Um, but the group of friends I had, just like Meeks, um, my two best friends are of the Protestant or non-denominational uh, faith, into their faith, you know, have good good morals. Um, like I mentioned in the, the first podcast, you know, two uh, young men striving for truth. And those are my closest friends. So I never really had, like Meek said, had that pressure. And, and like he like he said, you know, they knew where I stood. And, you know, whether it be, you know, I'm going to youth group after after mass on Sunday or, you know, talking to my friends about it. Um, and, you know, in the Bible class at my Protestant school, mm -hmm. they all knew I was Catholic because I would ask questions and, you know, about, you know, what I'm learning in their Bible class, uh, learning their Bible theology um, about the Protestant faith. And I had questions. And, you know, I would talk to my friends about it and, you know, because they had the similar faith that I was being taught at school. Mm -hmm. So I was able to have those discussions with them. And not only that, like Meek said, I think Lent was a huge one because it's so, um, I think it's the most well-known in this, the secular culture even. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of uh, people practice it to some extent, build, building up to Easter. Um, so when... People were asking me, kind of like what Meek's saying, why aren't you eating these, this dessert? Why aren't you uh, on social media? I haven't seen you in a while, whatever that may be. It was known, you know, that, uh, you know, it's Lent. So so would you guys say you had a difficult time, um, or it sounds like um, that you guys didn't have a difficult time living out the faith. People knew about it. But did that affect your relationships at all? So did you, do, would you say um, that had an impact on how many friends you had or the type of friends you had. Um, you know, because a lot of people out there are going to be like, man, it feels lonely out here trying to be Catholic, right? So if you don't have a good Catholic community, and we talked about community um, even in that episode on True Faith Real Talk, but um, can you speak to that a little bit about uh, what 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 was that experience like? And, you know, as the people out there that are listening or watching kind of offer some, some kind of tidbits of points of how to deal with that, how do you... Because I know a lot of youth out there, especially Phil, one of the biggest pressures you have is you'll crumble in your faith because you feel like you got to cower and bend to the culture. So everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be loved. And because of that, you're, you're almost willing to compromise the thing that matters the most, which is our faith. So can you guys speak to that? Did you struggle? Was it a struggle? Did it affect how many friends you had? What can we share with our you know, listeners out there? Uh, so I think... Meeks and my temperament don't really call for a lot of friends in general to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we value just a few friendships and we get very close to them. So the friends that we grew up with, you know, whether it be from kindergarten to or to in high school, the friends that we got really close to, that was sufficient for us. And the friends that um, I had were, you know, had those the good moral foundation. We may have differed as far as deep into theology, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we were still able to talk about deep things. We still had basic um, uh, beliefs that were, you know, on the same page with each other. Um, I think it was after college where that kind of became a need that I've recognized in my own life. Like, man, I really wish I had, you know, someone that I can meet up with regularly. Um, but I'm, we kind of talked about this in, in the last episode, True Faith, Thrill Talk, you know, 
I still have you and I still have Meeks, you know? Um, so if I'm feeling like, man, I really, I want to ask about this philosophical question or there's something I heard in today's reading I want to talk about, I would call it Meeks and, you know, we would talk about it and FaceTime him, even though he's in Ohio, FaceTime him and just uh, relay my thoughts to him. And then we would just exchange thoughts for an hour and change, you know? Um, so it hasn't really been an issue for me. I know a lot of my friends, um, have gone through that though, you know, the, the community and I'm lucky, you know, going to Franciscan and having such a, a blessed environment and, you know, my basketball team, you know, being able to have those guys where, um, I could relate with them. We had the same passion for sports, but not only that, we were, um, striving to be good Catholic men. So we, I had that conversation with them. I had that friendship. Um, a few of them are going to be in my wedding, you know? So I had, I have that community um, it's a little different now because, you know, I went to school in Ohio, I come back home, that relationship changes. Mm -hmm. So the contact is still there, but it's different. Um, but I would like um, more community, even here. And I know a lot of Catholics out there want that community, and it's hard to find. So like you said, um, and it reminds me of the talk with Doug Barry, you know, the men play um, hokey pokey with the faith and the women start to play uh what limbo limbo that was yeah. me that was your dad's yeah, that was you. Yeah, so they play me. they play limbo with with the men but i think people are doing that in general with their relationships like yeah. i'll settle like he's not that bad or she's not that bad mm -hmm. so i'll hang out and um i think there's a true yearning for something deeper in our friendships especially cultivating faith what we're talking about today that um i think we need to raise awareness mm -hmm. what about you meeks i think uh, a lot of times it's a big thing, and uh, I'd say a lot of speakers will say, you know, watch you hang out with, watch the community that you surround yourself with, and I think to a certain extent, yeah, and, and to answer your question really, um, just about to, if it made it harder, uh, I mean, not necessarily, because, I mean, you're going to have your friends, and they're going to have a certain role, so there's, you know, I have the basketball team, I'm going to hang out with them during basketball, I have my people that I have a lot of classes with, we're going to talk, and we're going to do homework with each other, but it's not always going to carry itself into you know, to after school or stuff like that. But I don't know if it necessarily made it harder because it's most of the time when you're at least in high school for people who are in high school, it's not that hard because you're always around each other. So you're going to, you're going to bond, you're going to do everything regardless. And, you know, if this person's atheist, this one's Mormon, we're all just, you know, if we're all in class, we're all just trying to do the same work. We're all playing sports. We're all trying to do it together. So it didn't really make it that hard in, in high school. Um, I'd say outside of school is when it's really tough right? when you're when you're kind of alone on a Saturday and you're like I don't want to hang out these people they, they're going out I don't want to do this because these people are over there I think that's when it's important just to have people that are like-minded and I don't know if it has to be of the faith it's ideal if it is but I think if you're struggling with that piece find people who like to work out and you guys push each other when you work out and then I think the people that you find yourself uh, like-minded with in the sense of if we're both working out we both push each other nine times out of ten if you're working out all the time together you're gonna have a lot of more deep conversations and you're gonna find out what this person stands on and how I agree with that and then you go closer in those relationships so I think if you're having a hard time finding out your youth group or or finding pure Catholic uh, peers I think you should just try to find people that like minded if they if they like if you guys are both in the socks if you if you're both in the clothes or whatever it is find people that want to do the same things you do. And I think a lot of times uh, people are always curious. People always want to look for truth. Um, and it's not, I don't think, I don't think 
you're generally going to have you know hostile environment that you think you're going to have just because someone's a different faith than you mm-hmm. i think a lot of times when you're striving towards something similar you're going to find out that you're more like people than you uh, than you think so there's a you guys are speaking to um kind of the basic friendships i think it was um aristotle that talked about there's three basic types of friendship um and one is based on uh, use utilitarian right so we get there's a you know um i think uh dr edward she said was talking about this in one of his books men men women and the mystery of love where he said that this is like the sales guy with the client right they're, they're, they have a friendship based on the fact that I, I sell you a certain product you buy this product so there's a friendship that's based on that so it's utilitarian it's not ideal but it's not there's nothing necessarily wrong with that and then he talked about the friendship based on pleasure so when you talk about having somebody with like um either hobbies or uh certain similarities so we both like working out we both like the same music even the basketball right so we both like the same sport that can go only so far and then he says that the 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 third type of friendship which is which is the ideal type of friendship is the, the friendship based on virtue something that's outside of yourself so for the let's talk about um the advice we need to give to some of the people out there that maybe have some of those toxic relationships we're not even talking well, we haven't gotten into intimate relationships yet, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, even marriages, but even friends. Um, I know whether you're single, engaged or married, which we're all in your dating, obviously, um, having good friends around you is a big deal. I mean, that's that's definitely um, something we need to take to heart and keep in mind. So what do we tell what would you guys advise the listeners out there to deal with? friends that aren't really good for you. Maybe you had that friend that you, you know, you've known since third grade. And, you know, some people hang on to that relationship just because, well, we've been, we've known each other for 15 years, mm-hmm. um, but that friendship isn't really good. So what would you say to that Keone? Um, I mean, like that situation in particular is a tough one because you have that history. You have that. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, you know, abandon that friend who's been with me through this, this, and this, you know, and that's a difficult situation, but I think what it comes down to, um, is your why and we talked about that last last episode is what are your values and what do you stand for and why do you stand for them and once you get to the point where okay you know i'm not about going out every day or every weekend i'm not about getting drunk whatever that is why are you not about that Mm -hmm. and i think once you kind of develop that perspective and you embrace those ideals and you're striving for virtue the friendships that are toxic begin to be exposed and you start to say, okay, I can't do this because it gets to a point where you finally have to look yourself in the mirror, look your friendships in the mirror. And there's that moment of contention where a choice has to be made. Mm-hmm. Are you going to abandon your ideals and your vert and your um, striving for virtue? Or are you going to cave to, you know, whatever it is that your friends are doing? Or are you going to decide to say, you know what, I need to let go of this relationship mm-hmm. Um, so I think what a lot of, you know, peers that we've seen, Meeks and I have been talking about it are, you know, whether it's with faith or with relationships, if you don't know why you are standing for this, this, and this, if you are not embracing ideals, um, striving for virtue, then it's going to be like, whatevs, um, you know, I'll hang out with them. Why not? And that becomes this whole, why not do you, we're chilling, um, type of mentality to where you get sucked up and you don't even know it. And then everyone behind uh, that you surround yourself with has the similar mentality as you. 
and then it, it's, I think it starts to go downhill. So I think, um, you know, if you're having that toxic relationship, what, honestly have that conversation with yourself. If that has to be in meditation, um, why are you, what is keeping you in that relationship? What are you holding on to? And is that, a, is that a time or is there something that you need to let go of? Um, is that within yourself or the relationship? So I think it's having that honest discussion of what are my values? What am I standing for? Does this person line up with those? And it's going to be a hard decision. No one said it's going to be easy. Um, but it's something that I think more people need to kind of step up to the plate and handle. Yeah, if there's anything to add to what Keone said, I think um, if you were to lay out whatever ideals or say, you know, I know you've been friends for a long time, but I don't know this is for me anymore and they don't understand that, and they're mad at that, then it's just not a real friend. Mm-hmm. So you have to just choose between your your comfortable friends because it's been a long time or, or someone that you actually, um, you know, want to grow with and someone that's actually there for you. So I think um, depending on how they respond to whatever your confrontation looks like and saying, hey, this isn't for me anymore, and um, I think how good of a friend they are is, uh, is evident through their response. So if they come through and say, oh, what do you mean, dude? Like, we were just, we were just doing this and that and all this. And what happened, to, you know, when we, was, when we was bulls, we were doing this last weekend, all this stuff. And that's how they come. And as a, you know, on a defensive end, I guess, then you just know that that's, that's someone that, uh, that isn't who you thought they were. And it's just someone not to keep any longer. Yeah, and I think one of the things I would say, just to add to that on the friendship side, is when you have friendships that are based on superficial things that are just real shallow, um, they, you know, those are going to come and go. They're going to wither away. And I know I can say today that, you know, really, of course, our, our nu- nuclear family is important to me. And that's really where I get fed a lot. But also just even my Catholic friendships. Like I don't, I mean, every every person you meet, everything you do is either going to make you better, or make you worse. Is either going to bring you closer to God or, or bring you further away from him. And I think all of my Catholic family, I don't even... I can I cannot see them for months, and then I can run into them at church or in the store, and it feels like no time was lost because we're rooted in Christ and we're rooted into something higher. And there's a genuine level of trust and depth because of um, we're we're both rooted in trying to be holy and trying to be saints. Um, what what about uh, do you want you guys want to move on to like dating, and um, or do you guys have more to talk about on? Friendship. I was just going to add, kind of going off what Meeks was saying, uh, based on their response. So if you want to know if a friend is really about it, and you're in your heart, you've been kind of getting that that call or that tug, like, you know, this isn't for me, or I'm not sure if this is the right friendship, or I'm really struggling with going deeper, or I want to have that community, uh, bring that up to your friends, that call, or the change that you want to make, or the change you're trying to make, and their response will tell you if they're a real friend or not how they respond, if it's defensive, if it's, um, oh, you're fake, or you're not really about it, or what happened to this, or you used to always do this, that's not a real friend. Like the accuser, right? The devil's the accuser, and he's trying to bring you away from your your goal and your response. Honestly, you're saying yes to growing in virtue, to changing, and the devil's going to accuse you. Um, whereas a real friend, could, you have that discussion. A true friend's going to be like, okay, this person's still, uh, I know who they are. They're still a good person. Let's talk about it. Um, so kind of going off with me saying, you know, when you have these friendships and you're trying to make changes, voice that to your friends and their response will, will obviously, I think, um, shed light on the nature of that friendship. Oh, great point. That's a great point. Um, so let's move on to kind of 
you know, I mean, there's probably a lot more to say on the friendship mm-hmm. level. And I think as we kind of um, hear back feedback from the listeners out there, we'll be more than happy to kind of talk about the different things that are on your heart, that are on your mind, things that we can share with you, both on a personal level, but also from a theological and philosophical level. Um, none of us claim to be theologians or philosophers, but um, that's definitely uh, in our journey of seeking truth. We want to be able to be a resource for all the for all of our listeners out there. So let's let's talk about um, relation um, intimate relationships, because what's neat about all of this is that we're all in three different stages of of the relationship aspect as it relates to pursuing the marriage vocation, right? So obviously I'm married. Um, Keone's engaged. Miko is dating with discernment, right? Um, And each of those are different levels. But in all of those cases, um, we all have uh, somewhat of a similar role to play because, um, you know, as men, we realize the effect and the impact that we have as men um, of you know, either as husbands and fathers or soon to be husbands and fathers, God willing as fathers. But let's talk about your experiences across the board of how did you approach dating? Now, now for the listeners out there, I mean, my, my situation was much, much different. I met your mom in high school. We we're high school sweethearts, but um, mom was, mom was a convert to the church and didn't come into it into adulthood. And I was a, a lapsed Catholic who really wasn't really even catechized or formed in the faith and never stops catechism at age seven. So it's unfair to say that we had the same experience um, as you guys did. So um, I don't want to use us as an example because it's probably the wrong example until we get into the point of how to live a marriage in the way that God has designed. So um, let's talk about how you guys both approach relationships. Meeks, we'll start with you. I had always known that I would, if I was to date anybody, it would be with uh, the intention to marry them. So it was never just like, oh man, I really like them. Uh, let's just see where this goes. It was more of like, okay, how, you know, how much longer um, can I see in the future of us, you know, being able to hold each other up? And I always held faith at the center of my relationships. So, uh, I mean, I've only had one, which is the one I'm in right now. But uh, if I were, you know, when I was going into, you know, thinking about if I was to date somebody, it would have to be like, okay, is this person have faith or not? Is this someone I could take to church? Um, is this someone that I could take to my family? And um, I felt like we'd be able to fit in and, and, and not feel, I guess, left out or feel like there's a pressure on her to be someone she's not, you know. And I, and I wanted that person to just be comfortable in who she was, especially around my family and, and uh, in the church. If she felt like it wasn't, if that wasn't who the person she wanted to be, then, then I uh, wasn't the person that wasn't the right person for me. So that's how I looked at it. Um, and then I, you know, with with Ella, I think I always found myself just trying to um, point her and myself into the right direction, which is trying to grow in our faith. And I I brought that up the most out of anything. And although she was, um, she's baptized Catholic, she didn't have any other sacraments. So more of like a revert, I always told her, you know, I want you to do this for you. If you're just doing it for me, then don't do it because uh, then we're not in the right place and it's just not going to benefit you in any way. And um she always made sure she, she had developed that relationship with God first, so it made things a lot easier for me. And um, once you establish that piece, it makes everything a lot easier because you have that one common goal, and it's not just about feelings anymore. And um, yeah, that's how I always looked at. I always looked at dating with you know faith first and and marriage first, truly. What about you, Kenny? Um, 
I mean, it's, I think that's just how we're raised. You know, if you're talking to someone, it should be a consistent discernment. Is this someone that I can see myself marrying? Um, so I've only had three relationships. Um, and for me, it was, you know, it was still like, are we, you know, can I see myself marrying this person? But I think as each relationship, um, if I went, as I went from one relationship to the next, uh, you know, we say God is always at the center of relationship, but I think I began to figure out more and more as each relationship kind of went on, um, what that actually entails in the struggle and the hardship and the work that that takes. So, you know, my first relationship, I was a freshman in high school, you know, um, person was older than me by two years, both Catholic, but we were, I was just like, I don't really know what's going on, you know? <laughs> so the faith was, you know, I went to mass, but dude, how much did we talk about it? You know? And that obviously that relationship didn't, it didn't really last really long. Um, my, my second one, it was a little bit more, we had a little more discussions, but, um, the constant being on the same page, pushing each other wasn't there. And it wasn't until this current relationship uh, with my fiance, shout out Michelle, mm-hmm. um, where we really just had these conversations frequently. And, and um, as each year, so we've been dating for three years now, and as each year has progressed, it's been just more and more diving in. Are we really about it? Okay, are we going to get married in the church? What does that mean? Um, and so it's really like, okay, what does you know, have you placing God at the center, like we talk about, what does that mean? And am I living it out? Am I helping her get to heaven? And is she doing the same for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was how dating was um, early on. And then it's progressed over time. I think the more I've learned about myself, the more I've um, fell in love with my own faith and you become, you start to take responsibility for the people around you, especially the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. Um, and, and when you take that responsibility, things change and you start to have those discussions, you start to push each other. Um, and I think that's where you get the most, um, fruitful dialogue and growth in a relationship. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the points that you both kind of bringing up is this idea of dating, um, with discernment. Now it doesn't mean you can't date, um, unless that person is the person you're going to marry. Um, so a lot of people get that twisted, especially people who are trying to balance between really being orthodox and faithful to um, meaning, meaning unless if this is the first person I'm going to date, it's the first person I'm, I'm going to marry that person. Right. Um, you can date in a way that still upholds the dignity of that other person. So whether it's five people or 10 people, you just have to realize that if um, or one person for that matter, that that person um, is still a child of God and has dignity that you need to uphold. And especially for us as men, because you know the culture today is super toxic as it relates to just objectification, especially of women. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was going to bring up that point of um, both of you, uh, you know, as part of our upbringing, right? Just trying to raise good young men um, to be good Catholic men, holy men, godly men. It's been about realizing that that person, if it's not your wife, it may be somebody else's, right? And also that if for the people out there listening. I say this to a lot of the youth and young adults, and I, I tend to get different types of looks, but I say if they're not good enough to marry, they're not good enough to date, meaning the, the special projects. Um, and so that's difficult. It's, I think it's easier for guys um, out there, definitely a lot easier for guys because there's, there's a, uh, a lot of great women out there that are trying to, to live a life um, according to God and less on the male side, and that's something hopefully we can fix 
Um, definitely we are trying to do that in our own ministry, in our own walk, but I think it becomes difficult um, for uh, women to find what you know they have. So it's easier when the man leads because, because um, I mean, data tells us that there's that Swedish study, I think done in the 90s, where um, the faith of the father truly affects in great numbers to great percentages the, the faith of the children and, and um, as they get into uh, adulthood. But it really comes down to realizing that your uh, if that person's not a special project, you can't change anybody, right? Um, and I think, um, and that's a delicate balance, right? So in, in both the situations with both Michelle and with Ella, um, reintroducing them to the faith that they were born with, right? How was that? Because if I was to give counsel, Mom and I both do marriage preparation, and we you know we counsel a lot of um, couples. I mean, you're going to be dealing with that on a on a real level as far as a, being a marriage family therapist, you would say, no, unequally yoked marriages aren't going to work, right? That's a sacrifice. Men, you know, to be honest, that's the struggle we had even in our own home, right? Is if, if one person is about the faith and the other person isn't, that's going to be a difficult battle. Um, and if you have children, it gets even worse. So what's your thoughts on that perspective? Because it's one thing to say, well, I, I want you to do it because of you. Um, but at the same time, you're also discerning something where you become one flesh, right? And this this idea of unequally yoked. So, Meeks, what do you think about that? In like my approach with it, or just just your thoughts, right? Because I think if um, like even if you take in your situation, it was you're you're blessed because Ella came came to the realization of God and and she embraced the faith that she was born into at a, at, at a young age, but you know, there's a lot of cases where people are out there who are dating, hoping that person will change mm. and they don't change. So what's that balance, right? In both your guys' situations, it works out for the better. Yeah. In other cases, there's people out there, a lot of people out there that say, well, he's, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a, he's a Christian guy. And not to say, you know, again, even with our separated brothers and sisters, there could be really good people. But when it comes to the, the one thing that's at the core, um, even if they're a solid Christian, we're, we're separated by different theology. Um, one can participate in the sacraments, the other can't. And then you, they, they miss that point of all of a sudden when you have little ones, God willing, that they say, hey, how come daddy's not going to Mass? Mm-hmm. Or dad, maybe daddy's going to Mass. Hey, how come daddy doesn't receive communion? Mommy's always receiving communion, but daddy doesn't receive communion. Why not? And now all of a sudden you're like, you have a decision with your kids, and this is for people to really listen to. Now your kids look up, and then you have a choice to make. Mommy, daddy, and God. Well, what kind of a God wouldn't allow my daddy or my mommy to not receive communion? And so now you have, you're pinned between trying to, you know what I mean? The kid's mm-hmm. in, yeah, a, yeah. In, a, in a predicament. So that's what I mean. It's not yeah. necessarily in your situation, but people have that situation. Yeah. Part of what we're trying to do is help people. I think I w- what's important to first establish uh, is that, that it's not necessarily like I thought Okay, I can I can change Ella. Right, I I got this. I, I I can do this. But it was my initial saying. Hey, this is what's really important to me. And if this relationship's gonna be anything, then then I would like for you to at least like hear me out and and see see what you think about it. And it wasn't a necessarily like she was just you know kind of vibing with it, and we kind of just rolled with it. It was like before we do anything else, I I need you to be committed to this part. And it, and you may not be you're not gonna be where I'm at. Uh, next week, I'm not even close to where I'm supposed to be at now, 
but I, I just wanted, I, I needed her to understand this was a journey that we both needed to take. And I had to see movement towards that. So, I mean, it took a while. We were taking her to mass for uh, probably a few months, every single Sunday. And then she had told me, I want to get my sacraments. So then, like, that's the necessary step I needed. It wasn't, I was taking her mass, I was taking her mass. Two years later, we're still just going to mass. She's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where it's going, but I, I can change her. I can still do it. She took those steps in order for me to say, okay, then, then we can still do this. So, so I think it's so important to first actions, have that. Actions speak yeah, louder than it's words. important to have the actions. I think if you don't have those actions, that's when you got to draw a line and say, I, I, I can't do it then. Because it, it wasn't me being Superman. It was her yes that allowed me to be able to do this. Yeah, I think that's where um, people get the, uh, what do we call it, um, the Jesus complex, right? I'm going to save somebody. You ain't going to save anybody that doesn't want to save themselves. So, th- I mean, that's a great point. That, And this is probably more a message for the gals out there than it is for the guys because, you know, um, I'll, I'll say often that guys are willing to tell you what you want to hear, but they're not often willing to do what you need them to do. Um, girls, I think are a little bit different. You know, I just think the guys are just, we got problems y'all. And that's just real talk, you know, that we, part of the issue in our world today is because we've abdicated our responsibilities as men. And so I think makes, that's a great point that, you know, it wasn't just, it was being patient, but at the same time expecting there to be progress, because if not, then we're going to have, we're going to have something to talk about. Right. Yeah. Keone, what'd you think? I mean, it was, it was very similar. Uh, when Michelle and I first met, um, kind of like what Meeks was saying, I had, you know, things that were very important to me, things that are very important to what a relationship would mean to me. And, you know, as a Catholic man, that's important for me to at least voice, not to demand, not to throw in your face, but to voice. And so Michelle and I had that conversation, like, you know, this is important to me. Will you go to confession with me? Will you go to army, which is praise and worship? Will you go with me? Um, and that was my, my first goal was if she's open to it, to get, um, her in the sacrament of confession. Um, and I, you know, like me was saying last, uh, last episode, you know, we go every week and, you know, that was something that's been a staple of our, our prayer life and our faith with God. So wanting to expose her to that in a, uh, in a new way, a refreshing way, um, Michelle will tell you that she was terrified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would be too if it's my first one since Holy, uh, since I received the sacrament, mm-hmm. you know. But she said yes. I didn't force her. And I think there's a fine line between pushing and forcing. And, you know, pushing is being, being the man that you're called to be. You're, if you're going to date this person and want to marry them, you are responsible for their soul. That's what you're buying into. You're saying, okay, Lord, we're going to become one flesh. And at the end of the day, when we go to heaven and face God, he's going to say, what did you do to get her to heaven? And... You know, I took that as a responsibility to, you know, push her, guide her, but don't force her. And I think there's a fine line. I've never, I haven't been perfect at it. Um, and that's something that it just takes constant dialogue. And I think Miko made a great point. You know, you, you start little. Can you commit to this? I'm not, I didn't tell her when we first met, I need you to pray the Divine Mercy Chapel with me, rosary every day. We're going to go to the chapel together. No, I said, hey, can you try to go into Mass with me? You know, and then we'll watch a video here and there. We'll listen to Father Mike Schmitz together, a homily. And um, we'll read this book together, whatever it may be. And it's starting with one little thing. And it's being patient. It's a lot like how God works with us in our lives, in our faith. Constantly, he just plants a little seed and waits for our yes. And then he kind of goes further and he transforms us. And that's our role as a man 
in, in our relationships. And when we're seeking someone we're supposed to marry, God's giving us the priestly duty in our, in our marriage, in our families. Um, and I think it was just a constant discernment of, you know, just plant the seed, be a leader, but plant the seed and then let her say yes. And when she has that, yes, and you can move forward. So, you know, for the, what do we have to say to the ladies out there that will say, all right, that's nice, Nico, Keone, and John, but man, it's hard to find good guys out there. <laughs> um, what do we tell them outside of, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we're, we're trying to change some of that. I, I've had numerous talks with, you know, my own friends and just um, seeing people on social media, you know, and it's just wanting um, a good, decent, solid man. And it's, it's a struggle because so many men, and it's the result of the generations of lack of fatherhood, um, where they're just caught up in the world mm-hmm. and they have no beliefs. Um, and kind of like we talked on the beginning, it's just women are just another thing. Um, to get me in my my state of pleasure and w- there's women who are obviously most of the time a lot more mature than men mm-hmm. and they're wanting something real um, and men aren't ready for that and so there's a lot of um, gals in my my um, own circle and just you know we've talked about it people in conferences or whatever that may be where they want something deeper and it's not there and I think men need to step up because there are women out there who um, deserve a man of that's going to lead them to heaven, and um, I would say to the gals out there is, you know, God has a plan for you, regardless of what happens, whatever the world, you know, brings you, or has brought you, or whatever doubts you may be having, God has a plan, and it's about staying faithful to that. And another thing I would encourage too for you know men and women trying to, because I know there's men out there who are saying I want. I need to find a girl I can, you know, really rock with, someone I can grow my faith with. Um, what's your community like? Are you spending time at all trying to go out of your way? Are you in a, a Bible study group? Are you in um, a youth group? Are you in, uh, are you going to conferences? Are you active in the church? You know, if, they're, if you're trying to find something deeper, go to those places where they find things deeper, you know? You're not going to find it in the bar. You're not going to find it at some dinner party. You're not going to find it at the club because people aren't there for that reason. And um, so I think the first step is trust in God. He has a plan for you. If you believe in God and who he is, he has someone set specifically for you. Um, And then second, who are you surrounding yourself with? What communities are you trying to embrace and open yourself up to? Mm -hmm. points. Yeah, my my advice is similar to that. I mean, if there's anything to add besides, you know, most men are garbo, (laughs) is that um, I think, I mean, it is pretty common. I've seen it in my time that a lot of girls, they like the, they kind of like the bad boy when, you know, the wholesome best friends to the side over there. And he's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not, it's just not glorified. I'm, I mean, I mean, guys do the same thing, right? We all want the thing that excites us. And that, that's just not exciting for us as someone who actually cares about you. Those, those kind of things, like those aren't exciting uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. But I think I see that happen a lot with girls is um, there, there are decent guys out there, but that's just, not for them. They want the one that's more exciting. They want the dangerous guy, you know, leather jacket, whatever. You know, you see it on the shows all the time, and they, mm-hmm. they show it because it's true. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's funny you bring that up because I was gonna say not, you know, to be fair to the guy, to the guys out there that they're, 
you know, what about those guys that go, yeah, you know, John, you keep talking about it, but, you know, nice guys finish last, right? I see all these um, not so nice guys. I can use different words, but we are trying to keep this wholesome um, out there, you know, having their way with whatever. And I'm over here trying to live a faithful life, um, trying to be respectful to women and, and um, you know, I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting any bites. I'm not getting any looks, anything like that. And I think the same message that Keone had for the, the women is for the guys out there is too, is that God has a plan. You stay faithful to God. Everything else will work out, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, scripture tells us, and everything else will be handed unto you thereafter. And I think that's the part we have to be able to, um, it, and we're not going to say it's easy at all, um, uh, whether it be friendships and or uh, discern, dating discernment and marriage, none of it's easy. Even when you get into marriage, which that's the state I'm in, um, it doesn't mean I stopped dating my wife. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm still dating your mom, right? That I continue to grow and that we're still learning about each other. We're still um, uh, figuring each other out. Of course, we're better at it. We're better equipped. Um, God is at the center. We have the grace of the sacraments. There's a lot of that because we're equally yoked. Um, and I'm trying to lead her as best as possible, but it, it's not always perfect. Um, but I think for both the, for the men and the women out there, the young men and the young women out there, is to not lose hope, hope in Christ, um, realize that it's a journey. And it's it's a, a marathon, not necessarily a sprint. And so don't rush one way or the other. Right. Don't think that because you spent, you know, uh, you started off your first date in the chapel and you went to mass that all of a sudden this guy or gal is like the best thing in the world in their marriage material, because that could be a front. Um, they're wounded, broken people just like we are all. And don't think that, um, you know, because you, there's nobody around you that you can see worthy of marriage that all of a sudden that's that speaks to everybody in the world. And you know, that God doesn't have you covered because he knows what you need, not necessarily what you think you want. Um, so, you know, as we talk about the, the areas of the discernment, what do you, uh, you know, what I wanted to kind of use the last piece of this is, is to talk about your, your approach. You're both discerning the married vocation. Obviously, Keone is in the first step of betrothal, right? Um, Meeks, I think you're discerning marriage, obviously. Um, what, what makes you think, um, because there are different vocations, right? Mm -hmm. What, what, what was your discernment in that call? Was there every yeah. other, any other discernment? Were you ever discerning, um, you know, was there priestly discernment? Was there, you know, and I don't even know if I'm going to get married. Was there single or is it always like, no, marriage is where I was at. Was there just to kind of help people out there? Because sometimes most people I know I run into is, is you know, 90% of them think I'm called to marriage, which may be true. Um, but there's, what was your discernment like, if any? Um, I think growing up, I looked up to you a lot. And so the idea of what you and mom had, that was like, that was cool. Like we wanted that high school sweethearts fell in love at a young age, had each other's back through it all, everything that you guys been through and that you guys persevered and then, you know, raise us and we get to see the fruition of that. That was like, that was cool. It was like, it was like a movie, like a superhero movie. And we're like, I want that, you know? Um, so I think marriage is always something that we, at least for me, uh, I'll let me speak after, but, uh, something that I wanted seeing that. And I think, you know, my confirmation statement was St. Joseph, cause I wanted to be a father just like you. Mm -hmm. And, um, so as far as, you know, discerning my vocation, that was kind of at the forefront. It was always there. Um, I remember going to conferences though. They talk about the priesthood. And it would kind of go into my head, but it, it was never like a, like a tug. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. I just felt it was like, hmm, I wonder what that would be like. But I never felt like a call. Um, there was priests that I admire, and I'd be like, wow, that, that is pretty cool what they do. But it was a more of a, um, a cordial appreciation. Like, you know what, that I respect their office, and that is a really cool priest. Um, but that isn't for me. And so I think when it came down to it is um, the idea of falling in love with someone and having, like, your battle partner that we talk about in Scripture. Like, this is your battle partner to get to heaven with and to fight against the toxicity of the culture. Um, and that was something that was exciting, something I yearned for. So that was my call. And um, obviously it's still uh, still in discernment, but 10, 10, 20, 20, it's... <laughs> And it wrapped up. It's not done until it's done, but yeah. 10, 10, 20. Yeah, we're there. What about you, Meeks? I don't know if it was ever necessary to say, man, I was always thought I was going to get married. <laughs> this is no question. <laughs> so you were just kind of convinced that that was a call for you? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I didn't see any other call. I knew there was other calls, but I was like, ah, that's <laughs> not my call. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I mean, what else we want to talk about when it comes to relationships? Because there's so much there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say just uh, being, you know, somebody who's married, um, you know, mom and I will be celebrating 25 years of marriage this year, right? This mm-hmm. is our, uh, a, a jubilee year for us. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the messages that I know mom would agree on, and we talk about it a lot when it comes to relationships, especially when it comes to marriage, um, is that, you know, a lot of times, and you'll get this as a counselor, right? People say, well, you know, what do you think the number one thing people get divorced is, you know, pe- most people will say finances and communication, right? And while those may be up there in that top five, um, mom and I firmly believe it's a, it's a lack of sacrifice, right? That um, people don't understand that marriage to, tr- to truly be lived out the way God intended is a total gift of self. So we hear that in, you know, Pope St. John Paul II in Theology of the Body. He speaks m- about man in the dimension of gift so that, um, man never truly finds himself until he gives himself away, right? And I think that's the, you know, when we, as we, you know, kind of wrap up this conversation on relationships, you know, um, Jesus tells us in the gospel, no greater love than this than for a man to lay down his life for a friend, for a brother, for a wife, for his child. Um, you know, we think about, you know, your sister, right? We just, we just welcome in to the world. Um, shout out Bree and Jamie and uh, baby Izzy. Um, baby Isabel, who is three weeks old today, praise God for her. Um, they're learning firsthand that, you know, uh, for one, that the love that was invisible between Jamie and Bria has now become visible and is now their responsibility and the sacrifice. They're learning really the hard way, the real way, that life's no longer about them, right? Bria's got to sleep, Jamie's got to sleep whenever Izzy's sleeping, and you got somebody depending on you. So that idea of sacrifice um, in, in any relationship, um, what's, the true, what's the true measure of love? Sacrifice. Right? Sacrifice. Um, any thoughts on that? Any parting words on relationships? Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to touch on that more like a, like a self-call out, I guess, because as I have been really, uh, you know, seriously thinking about proposing to my girlfriend, I've just been really understanding how much that's got to take out of me. And it's not just, you know, you know, here's a ring to show to show a promise. Here's a ring to say that I'll love you forever. And in that, that kind of way that I think a lot of the the culture does. But it, as I've really thought about it, 
I've just come to realization how much of a more of a man I got to come and and how much more I have to die to myself, I guess. And because, I mean, you said it that, I mean, we're supposed to love the way Jesus loved and and Jesus wasn't just hugging people. He had to die for everybody. And so that's something that I took a lot serious because I was not good at that in high school. I had the whole like make sure we go to our church stuff, but I wasn't dying to myself. I was just, you know, 16. I started dating at 15 years old. I was doing the best I could as a theologian and, and all that kind of stuff, but I was 15, so I didn't understand that part. So now that I am truly discerning, um, you know, engagement and marriage, I'm like, like, geez, I'm now I'm 19, so I'm still not even close to anything of a theologian, but I still understand like now how much more I got to die to myself and how much more I got to be the first one to sacrifice Nile, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, that, that's on my, I want to be able to share to just be a little bit more um, transparent with people because it's not like I've been so far from a perfect boyfriend. As you guys know, I'm the most impatient person on the earth, and I get ter- irritated over everything. Real talk. And mm-hmm. um, I can be extremely lazy with stuff, but that's that's probably the biggest thing I would probably leave it with. Um, you know, whoever wants to take that, and it resonates with you, but I'd say if you're going to take anything from relationships, um, especially is, is that, yeah, sacrifice and dying to yourself. That's that's what love is. Love's, love's a choice every day. It's not a feeling. And uh, that's something that I'm trying to work on, especially to, you know, before I get on one knee, just get that part. I mean, obviously never going to be perfect at it, but start taking that a lot more seriously. Yeah, I think that's the key is to remember that it's we're works in progress, you know, but it, we should be getting better. You said this on the, the episode on True Faith Real Talk that we sh- our goal should be to get better every day. And I think, um, you know, because some people would say, man, you guys are young, too young to get married. And I think, you know, whatever, that's just, you know, that what the culture has beat into too young for you maybe yeah yeah i mean you know there's a lot of people out there that are that are older in age but super immature yeah. right uh emotionally mentally and definitely spiritually but i just think there's a level where um in marriage it's going to highlight your marriage for us as catholics is a sacrament and that means that that is one it's a sacrament of service the church will teach us so um uh, holy orders, uh, becoming an ordained minister of the church, a priest or a deacon, that's a sacrament of service. And then uh, holy matrimony is a sacrament of service. And in that, that means that like your mom and I, um, by everything I do to sanctify her and vice versa, also sanctifies ourselves. So everything I do to lead her to heaven also leads me to heaven and vice versa. So the purification, the sacrifice, um, um, the, the blood, sweat, and tears that gets poured into that, is, is one thing that will lead both of us to heaven. The other part of that is that she's going to highlight to me all my deficiencies, my impatience, right? So Ella and Michelle, it's going to highlight, you know, y'all know it, right? You, you obviously come from the, the same tree, right? So it's like um, we got issues with pride. We got issues with patience. We got issues with, um, you know, we're moody. You just name it. We got a whole list of stuff, y'all, but we're sinners. So our wives, our children, if God blesses you with children, are going to highlight that for us. So... Don't think that just because you fall, you're not cut out for it. It means that, you know, saints are sinners who get back up, <laughs> you know, and, and take another step forward. Give it to God. Seek the grace of the sacraments. Realize that you need to deny oneself. You know, um, if you want to really meditate on this, especially for those of you out there who are dating or discerning, always always talk about um, reading Ephesians 5, 21 through 32 and to really understand St. Paul's formula when it comes to the married life. Kion, you got any parting words on relationships, friendships, dating, or otherwise? Yeah, kind of going off what you said and what Meeks was saying, talking about sacrifice and the importance of it. 
Um, and what sacrifice is doing is, you know, it's you're growing on the vices that you have. You're, you're starting to eliminate those and you're starting to foster virtue. Um, and so the sacrifice is you're dying to yourself in the little things and it's intentional. And so I encourage all the the couples out there and those obviously that are married. Um, what are you doing to die to yourself? And is it intentional? So today I'm going to give up that extra cup of coffee for the my wife or for my girlfriend or for my pride. I'm laying down my pride and it's intentional. I think those intentional acts of self-mortification are where you start, you truly become able to give yourself as a gift without anything holding you back. So that would be my, um, sort of my parting words to any couples out there. But I think for those that aren't there, those are kind of single, kind of doing their thing, maybe wanting something um, deeper. You know, we talk about the, the, Jesus complex, wanting to convert whoever you're talking to. I think that the only way you can really start to convince someone is when they see you live it. And so we see these couples where, you know, I want to I wanna get into it, but my, my boyfriend won't buy it or my, my girlfriend won't buy it. And it's like, are you living it? What is it just something you talk about? He's not, they're not going to buy it because what that means to them is that you have, they're going to have to make a choice in their life to say no to something that they've known all their life for something that you're presenting on the table and you're not even buying it. Mm-hmm. And so here they are, they have to face this choice. You're telling me to give up everything I know for something that I've never even seen in your life. You haven't even talked about. So for those, you know, either women or men that are trying to have a good relationship with someone who may be open, may not be, are you living it? Are you catechizing? Are you being able to show yourself as a light? And I think that is where you can actually have that conversation. Like, what Miko and I have, we're passionate about this and we're going to bring it to the table as an option and we can see where that goes. But if you don't even, if they don't even see it as a passion, why would they buy into it? Because what you're saying is, I want you to change your whole life for something that I don't even buy. And we can't say that to ourselves, expect them if we don't expect it for ourselves. So I think for those of you that are um, maybe wanting something deeper, wanting your significant other, wanting the person you're dating or talking to, to, you know, kind of jump on board, uh, go deeper into your own faith, you know? Yeah. Live it. Mm-hmm. Right. Live it. Witness to it. Well, fellas, it's been a good time. You know, uh-huh. we've, um, we had a good time talking about relationships, discernment, dating, yep. friendships. Um, this is the first episode of priest, prophet, and king. You know, this is a podcast created to change the culture from within, mm-hmm. starting with ourselves first and embracing mm-hmm. our own office of priest, prophet, and king in our own homes and our own lives. And uh, for Keone Omiko, we just want to thank you all for listening to us. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us um, and, uh, you know, find us all different ways. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, um, Spotify, and on YouTube. And uh, until we meet again, you know, we just always say get holy or die trying.